Welcome back, fellow spy fans. This is Todd and Dave for another episode of Spies Like Us podcast. This week we're going to be talking about the final episode of The Americans, if you've been following around for, along for our last couple episodes. It's been uh, interesting, kind of just giving a taste of each episode. Um, but the final episode kind of ties up a lot of things. So I think, I think we should kind of maybe catch the audience up. Uh, there are just a few key things to note before uh, we go into the details of how this episode uh, plays out. I think there's four. The Jenningses have a bug in, what's his name's office? Oh, Weinberger, the Secretary Weinberger. of Defense yeah, yeah. at the yeah. time. The FBI knows about this, and they know about it because of shit that happened in previous episodes. Right now, it's just important to know that they know that there's a bug. The Jennings don't know that the FBI knows about their bug. The other thing, that uh, Sanford guy, the guy with the gambler debt that Elizabeth, like, I don't know, re-recruited or uh, I don't know how you'd want to phrase that, but uh, kept in the fold uh, right. back in episode seven, which we noted was like pure setup. We we had no idea, like, where is this going? Well, this is where it's going. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, He's, uh, you know, he's got what what his value is, is he's got information on uh, some SDI, uh, SDI technology. Is that what we're calling it? Missile defense. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, they work. He works at SDI. And it's I guess he has information about the missile defense program. That was right. And uh, I think this this showed up in a previously on the Americans uh, or it shows up right at the beginning of this episode. But he has found elizabeth a juicy fish like an even better informant than himself uh who we i think we just know as the colonel uh but you know it's someone in the military it's someone that is for whatever reason willing to talk so this new source of information the colonel which is by the way the name of this episode uh is someone that they want to talk to asap so that's another thing um third thing is that uh nina who works at the russian embassy and has been flipped by stan beeman has counterflipped become a double agent and she is now reporting back to the residentura about the fbi's operations um so maybe that was only really three things. The beginning of this episode is uh, our gambler debt guy, Samson, has been arrested ostensibly for uh, failure to make his child... Uh, child support. Yeah, of all the things support, to be arrested. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the fact that he's being interrogated by Beeman suggests that they didn't arrest him for that 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 was like an excuse to arrest him because mm-hmm. stan beeman mr counterintelligence guy doesn't work child support cases yeah it was weird that they kind of pulled him in why would they even start talking to him where did they get the idea that he might be working with the russians it must be something we saw in a previous episode oh, but maybe, clearly yeah. but clearly they're not here to talk about child support although in the interrogation uh stan plays it very masterfully uh which is something that i love and give plus five points to uh he's i mean he could have played it two ways he could have like 
or maybe more than two ways, but one way you could have played it is like, hey, listen, motherfucker, we think you're working for the Russians. You're going to talk, see? <laughs> but he doesn't do that. He says, hey, look, dude, it's, it's, I mean, yeah, it's a problem, but whatever. We're going to work with you. How about this? Like, give me an hour to sort it out with the superiors and, and we'll, we'll have you out of here. Don't even sweat it. Yeah. You know, comes out of that interrogation room and, you know, says, yeah, well, I, I told him to just, I told him he'd be out in an hour. And then what you do is you let him sweat. Again, I'm not sure what they're expecting to necessarily get from him. Um, maybe he's, no, he's not connected to uh, the bug in Weinberger's office. But there's a there's a later moment that I guess I'll flag just while we're on Sanford real quick. Uh, while they're preparing the sting on the Weinberger bug, uh, Gad, who is uh, Beeman's superior and apparently like the head of United States FBI counterintelligence, uh, does a last minute check of like, do you think this guy might be playing us? And Stan says, nah. This guy's a gambler, but something about him tells me he's not a bluffer. Uh, yeah, that was a great line. <laughs> which I loafled at because, I mean, the guy, it, you know, we, we have established he's got gambling debts, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he's, you know, if you're psychologically profiling someone, I guess the idea is, I, and I don't know what his particular gambling addiction is, you know, maybe it's just fucking slot machines or whatever, but like, mm -hmm. if for instance, it was poker, well, this guy, if you know, this guy sucks at poker, <laughs> then that might be a clue that, uh, while he, but keeps playing and keeps losing money at it, then <sighs> that might give a clue on his psychological profile that, uh, you know, he's, he's bad at lying right that's what i what i got on that where where else do we need to talk about sanford anymore i don't think so no um just maybe the setup for that meeting uh which is what they picked up on from the the bugs i guess was that there was this big meeting between the secretary of defense and the secretary of state because that's going to be the main setup for this episode is uh this meeting is kind of like set up for a trap Yes, and in in my mind, it doesn't even like the Jennings, the KGB doesn't even necessarily need to know that this is an important meeting for any given reason. It is a it's an opportunity to listen in on a conversation between the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of State. You're going to take that opportunity. Absolutely. And the FBI knows that. Mhm. Mm so then fence uh this the sting um that's why they now the way the bug works in this case is it transmits to uh the trunk of a parked car outside the house and what the fbi has figured out is that either a soviet agent could sit in the car and listen to the conversation in real time or there's also a tape backup in the trunk so, or they could come by later to collect the tape and Gad's reasoning, which I think is good, is that given that there's going to be an enormous amount of security around there during the meeting, uh, the KGB wouldn't be silly enough to try to 
get into the car and listen to the conversation real time. His idea is that they're going to come and get the tape and that they're going to want to get the tape right after the meeting is done. Right. Uh, and that's why I think he amasses like so much force here. Because in a lot of cases where, like, if you had a suspicion of where you thought, like, you could catch someone with their pants down, like, maybe you just, you know, if, if it's a 10% chance or a 20% chance, like, maybe you only send, like, a guy or two out just in case. But he's so sure that one of the, that someone in the, someone is going to come to this car and collect this tape at a certain given time that feels solid enough for him to like, you know, bring out what, like, I don't know, does it look like 30 agents and maybe uh, have previously alerted the police kind of stuff? Well, this is definitely a big opportunity for anybody that would be a mole, right? Um, did you, did you want to bring up Nina becoming a double agent or should we just go to the main op? Hmm. I thought we could talk about, because there's the other operation, this other juicy fish that's been dangled in front of them, which is mm. the opportunity to talk to the colonel. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and so there's, like, basically two things that Philip and Elizabeth want to accomplish. Uh, there's going to be some back and forth with them and some weird stuff about, like, who's doing which job and a lot of discussion about uh, which um which one puts them most at risk and everyone including claudia their Margot martindale handler and philip and elizabeth they really think the colonel is the the op out of the two that's the one they think might be the trap is the highest risk yeah everybody's really uneasy about all of this and so the plan i think philip and elizabeth had was to like maybe get the kids out one of them was going to take the biggest risk and then the other one was going to take the kids to like a hotel in like flea town or something. But because of the two really important ops that they both had to run, um, Philip decides to take the most risky one they think is, is, is the most riskiest. Well, Elizabeth is going to take the least risky one, quote unquote, which actually is the trap. Right. Um, they yeah. think they, they think that like picking up the tape is just a walk in the park. Like, they're not suspecting anything on that op. They're hyper-keyed on this colonel guy. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I don't know Well, what what else to say about that, except that uh, when they do, like, uh, when Philip does meet the colonel, um, to his surprise, the colonel is actually there to tell him that, like, dude, Star Wars is a fucking dream. Like, we're 50 years away. Like, right. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's ridiculous how these people are talking about this, which by the way, could, could have been, I mean, history tells us what actually was what we think, but uh, that also could have been a nice bit of, you know, very actually even amateur league uh, misintelligence, mm -hmm. you know, just like, you know, have someone say like, Hey, I got to tell you guys something. Hey, by the way, we ain't got shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> worry about it. And that could have been yeah. a lie, but uh, yeah. you know, the the episode doesn't really feed in on that. And you mm -hmm. know, it would be kind of silly if it did because we, I, I mean, I think that history's judgment is that uh, the SDI plan was uh, 
not a good one. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, meanwhile, all this is going on. Uh, Stan is still meeting with Nina, and he takes her to the safe house and uh, explains to her that he's got some really good news for her, but she has to stay there because there's a big op about to happen, which she kind of figures out as like, oh, they're going to catch the, the resident or the, the illegals. So she leaves the safe house to go tell the resident Tura, which then the resident Tura has to rush out to try and stop the op because his people are about to get caught. Um, and I thought this was kind of cool how he got the message out. Cause it was too late to call them. You know, they didn't have cell phones back then. Right. So what he did was spray paint a bunch of cars and have the cars jet out to where they were going to be and start circling the place with the Mark, um, which uh, Claudia figured out and goes and rushes and gets Philip, but like no one's raiding or doing anything. So they figure out it's Elizabeth. Uh, so I thought that was kind of cool. Like, uh, like, Last minute signal, like it's too late to get to him. I got, I got to shoot out the signal. I don't know, that uh, was kind of cool. Yeah, plus, uh, plus five points for Arcady. Uh, that's the Resonantura. Uh, backing up a little, you know, Stan's eagerness to tell Nina that, like, hey, everything's gonna be cool in just a, just a couple hours. Big fucking mistake. And the other thing is, like, why the fuck was she not being watched? You can't take her to a safe house and not have her watched. She's an agent. You always watch your agents, right? Like, she's an asset that they flipped, right? This isn't like a person that's, like, seeking asylum or wants to help or believes in the cause or whatever. This is a person that you, like, basically compromised and flipped. Like, you, you probably want to keep an eye on them. So well, at, I would the, have... at this point, both the FBI and the KGB should be uh, watching her pretty damn close. Right. So how, how did she just get to up and leave and then go visit the embassy? Which she, I, I would like to believe the Russian embassy is on constant watch during the Cold War, right? So mm -hmm. her her driving up right then and there should have gotten some pictures or something. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's the biggest problem with Stan talking to her on the side. You know, it's not even like he talked to her in an official capacity. Right. Uh, you know, he was sneaking off. Right, um, right, right. So they don't, you know, the, the our FBI guys don't have the reason to, like, be hyper alert that Nina shows. I mean, Nina showing up at the embassy, that's a day-to-day -day thing. She work, fucking works there. She works there, right? Right. Um, but you know, if, did, isn't Stan taking her there to keep her safe? And, like, everybody would be aware of it. Like, oh, you think he's doing this, like without like telling the higher ups like he didn't tell gad that he was taking her to the safe house no i think i think i think they know that he took her to a safe house i i they definitely don't know that he rushed to her to say hey baby everything's gonna be cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> a, right? <laughs> a really big thing is about to happen in the next couple hours he didn't tell his superiors that Right. <laughs> so that's why they're not hyper keyed on, on her. And it was completely unnecessary. It's an unforced error, Mr. Beeman. Uh, yeah. but, it, but it drives this episode. The thing is, like, so, but story-wise, it's great because all that does is give her the information, hey, something, something big is about to happen in the next couple hours. When Arcady hears that something big is going to happen, he doesn't know about the sting operation, but he does 
How does he know about the colonel? Wait a second. Well, he's the resident Tura. Usually something like that, the, the center sends info to him and he gets info out to his spies. Oh, okay. Well, no, here's right. Here's the reason that the, that Arcady makes the wrong decision that it's the Colonel meeting that's at risk, which is basically, again, as we established, everyone was freaked out about this. Remember Sanford is the guy that gave them the Colonel and right. Sanford is currently in custody. Yeah. And and nobody like <laughs> sorry to say but like everyone in this show that meets Sanford for 30 seconds immediately identifies this as a milk toast motherfucker that will flip over and show his belly like at the slightest provocation. He's he's a he's a damp Kleenex. Yeah, <laughs> uh, of a guy. So that's right. why they're so worried. Um, but they turn out to be mistaken. And so the, yeah, right. The signal goes to the wrong place, even though, yeah, I, I agree. Like Arcady thinking on his feet, uh, uh, it's another case of this thing where like now that we are in an age of cell phones, you would never have to have this situation. Right. (laughs) I did check. I did check. Cell phones did exist at this point, but they were fucking huge. You know, and, yeah, and like not those drug dealers people. ones from the eighties. Not a lot of people had them, mm-hmm. uh, and so it would look suspicious for two middle class people to have them. I'm not sure it would look suspicious for like high end travel agent people to have them, but but Philip's oh, go- but Philip's not that's going true. there as himself, right? Right? right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, that's the whole like uh the 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 clever mix-up thing about this episode, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Mm-hmm. You know. Um it wasn't quite like uh, you know, remember it in the end of Silence of the Lambs where she's knocking on the house on the door of the house, and and we also see all the FBI getting ready to storm in somewhere, and then all of a sudden we realize it's a different house. It wasn't uh-huh. quite that level of cool, but it was it was pretty cool. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Um, uh, before we get off the colonel, which which I think we can at this point, uh, I just want to mention that they met at a park bench. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and, and they also, right, I'm always going to flag a park bench. And and they had actually a little nice joke about code phrases. Did you catch this? Um, uh, when, you know, because we got to have code phrases, right? To, to yeah. make sure we establish like, am I talking to the right person? Cause otherwise right. you accidentally end up having a, a, you know, 10 minute conversation about SDI technology and KGB moles with some lady that was actually just there to fucking buy ice cream and was too polite to like, <laughs> so that's why we have code phrases. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cool one is uh, the, the, there's a little joke here. Uh, Philip, comes up and he says the future's bright and the colonel says is that what i picked oh i'm sorry i i just i i just i, I wasn't thinking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one of the things i really liked you know i've noticed just from the series and especially in this the jennings when they kind of go out they're always in some kind of disguise um and especially something like this where they're gonna meet with somebody of such like high profile um 
so if they're spotted and have to run like they did, they're not going to get a great look at them. That's true, but the the reason the reason the colonel meeting is so fraught is because if it's a trap, they know that like like Elizabeth, you know, like she's explaining to Philip, but really she's explaining it to the audience. Like in a normal situation, if one of us got caught, it might take them a couple of weeks or a couple of months to figure out that I'm a I'm a spy, but in this case with Sanford in Beeman's possession, it's only going to be like an hour or two. Uh, all they need to do is see one of our faces and it's game over. Right. And that's exactly. why that's why they're frantically arguing about like uh, what they're going to do about the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Which is its own kind of, a, you know, great side story. I don't really want to go into detail on it on this podcast, you know. Uh, yeah. but but it's but it's good shit i i love the relationship you know the philip elizabeth relationship is always always compelling to me yeah the one thing that bugged me was the car chase when they like got spotted and they were getting chased i don't know that they could actually gotten away from this well at least not from what we're shown like usually when you get away from a car chase there's like a like a safe house or like a safe garage and they do pull into a garage but i mean they were kind of had some heat on their tail and i don't I guess there, this wasn't a time of the helicopters, maybe, but it just kind of, I, I wasn't sure if they could have gotten away from this, but it was a fun car chase. I, I liked it. It was, it was a good time. If you're going to put, uh, in my, this is my opinion. If you're going to do a season finale of this kind of series, this is your time where you can get away with a fucking car chase, you know, yeah. and not lose me as an audience and, and, yeah. and not me have me say like, ah, fuck. Um, Having said that, like I, I love the GTA uh that they that they pull off here, uh, you know, of of driving into the car, uh quick disguise change, you know, dropping their wigs, you get the prints, I'll get the car. Every intersection where he sees a you know, you see a cop going right, he puts on his mm. blinkers saying he wants to go left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, it it it, it was you're right. You're right. It's that's a lot of heat for them to drop. Right. There really were, I mean, like especially the two part car barricade for them to run through. And yeah, but whatever. But anyway, the the whole mission's botched, and Stan has to go tell Nina that he can't extradite her. And uh, I I thought Nina did really good playing werewolf. She just come rushed back from the resident tour and pretended to take a bath. And, and he tells her, and so she's obviously going to be disappointed. And she's like, I can't go back there, Stan. You know, you got to help me. Like, she does plays, like, terrified when she knows she's fine because she's already flipped herself back, flipped back to the KGB to where she's helping the resident. Or, uh, well, I think she's playing both sides at this point. But um, regardless, I really liked her, her, her performance of, oh, I can't go back there, Stan. You got to save me. He's like, oh, don't worry. I'll take care of it. Don't worry, baby. I'll take care. You know, like, uh, yeah, I, I, thought, I thought that was really good. This is the point. This is the point where I, you know, even though our last episode, we talked about episode seven, where uh, Stan made the mistake, I would say, of sleeping with Nina. And, you know, she uh, uh, accepted his advances and and does at all times seem to be playing absolutely like enamored of this guy and yeah. in love with him, which 
at this point is really you know if if she's playing high level werewolf which i'm not sure she is but if she is she she is doing it well and with the romantic angle i think is is good i think that like when it when it comes down to this kind of situation of uh um let's see a handler and a unwitting or not an unwitting but uh an asset under duress let's say yeah yeah i'd say if those two people get romantically entangled i think the 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 power shift has 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 gone more into the favor of the the nina character than As, oh absolutely than, than the stand situation right yeah absolutely um like no i completely agree because because at first well first of all they flipped her based on compromise so like he's already got her like in a tight spot now that they're sleeping together she one she could blackmail him she could probably throw him under the bus but that's probably why gad gave him the special house I don't know if you remember this, but like Gad, he's like, here's some keys, you know, to the Dodge, you know, don't, don't crash it. Right. I believe it. And and Gad probably did that on purpose specifically because of the situation. That way Nina couldn't have the power shift, but regardless, she does have the power shift because it looks like Stan thinks that it's a real relationship between the two of them. And I'm sure this has happened in real life. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure all the time. And I'm not sure that, I, I never, I don't think I ever found out whether or not her affection for Stan was real, but either way, it is plus spy points for her because, you know, having that person that's got you under their control, um, you know, and that you're at the mercy of, even if they, mm-hmm. they you know, have your best intentions in mind or or not, like having them be in love with you and especially having them truly believe that you're in love with them, that right. is, that's power. You know, that's, that's a very important soft power that, that reinforces their motivation to keep you safe. Absolutely. And the fact she doesn't like flip out or spook is yeah. also good <laughs> spy points when she finds out that she's, you know, okay, I told you, I, I was, I told you it was going to all be over in a couple hours. Oh, oh, sorry. I was wrong. And she doesn't, she doesn't freak out about it. You know, she still, she still says like, I think, you know, that she's, you know, I trust you. I trust you. Yeah. And that's, that's the good play. That's the right play. Right, right, right. That was the main up, but I, I know this is kind of really tiny in this episode that had more set up previously, but uh, Claudia, played by Margot Martindale, actually has a kind of cool assassination that I wanted to break down. Um, in one of the previous episodes, the CIA assassinated three KGB officials in Moscow, uh, including General Zukov, which was not only Elizabeth's mentor, but Claudia's lovier, apparently. And so Claudia decided to take revenge on the person responsible for the assassinations. And uh, this whole, I, I just want to go over this real quick, like step by step. She dresses up like an old lady pretending that she needs to get into the neighbor's house because she's like the aunt, like down the hall where it's like very unassuming or whatever. And, and so the guy's already spooked. He's obviously a professional agent. So he's not, he's not going to just let anybody in his door. 
But what he does is like, okay, I'll call them. Oh, here's their number. And he calls them. And of course, I guarantee you the number is probably going to someone at the center. It's somebody she knows. And then they say, oh, I got to talk to her. And so he lets them in. He lets her in, but he's still got his gun and he's watching her. And, and she waits for the right moment. So this is where it starts. They, they find a way to get her in the room. And he's standing there watching her like someone that, you know, very good self-defense techniques, paying attention, paying attention. She waits for the one second, like the split second that he semi lets his guard down. And she pulls out a taser from her pocket and shoots him with the taser. I don't know if these type of tasers exist back then. I want to look this up because what is this mid eighties? Did they have tasers? I'm sure they had like the, the, the ones that you could like touch with them, but this is the one that shot the needles out from like a distance. I don't know that they had these back then. Oh no, for sure. For sure. This is, well, this was around when they, when they first showed up. I, re- I remember this. I remember oh. when, ta- when tasers were like in the news, the, the one with, with the, the needles, little, the little that wires that come out. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. well, she- so, so her first move is to hit him with that, to incapacitate him. As he's on the floor being, like, electrocuted, she takes out a syringe and shoots him with, like, a drug. She then says, you're going to die in this drug. Uh, you're going to – you won't be able to move for 20 minutes with this, like, drug, which, you know, is 10 minutes more than you'll be here. Because she goes down with, like, a scalpel and just cuts him in the throat, like, slowly. And then for the next 10 minutes – pulls out a picture of Zukov and tells him about the story about when she met him. It was like, it was like, it's just like perfect revenge moment for her. But I, I just like the way that step-by-step step she pulled off this hit. Um, not that hits are great and that she, she should be applauded for this, but it, I, I thought it was really well, especially since she's dealing with a professional agent, you know, that's already on guard. So I, I thought it was well done. I don't know. What, what, what did you think? I both liked and, hated this scene um i liked it because i mean i liked it because i like martindale you know and and seeing her be so like get a chance i mean she's 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 sold us on this story of her being a badass (laughs) right and and this scene could have just been a moment to for us the audience to absolutely believe it which I'm not sure is necessary because I think she's kind of on her way out for a while because after that whole, uh, you know, torture situation, uh, you know, Philip and Elizabeth said, we, we don't want her anymore. Yeah. And, and yeah. she was actually kind of confident that like, no, they're the superiors are going to keep me in place. And she's surprised to find out like, no, they're, they're going, they're going with the Americans. Uh, you're, you're gonna, you're going to be on your way out. Um, and I, I don't think we're done with her in this show, but here's here's what I don't like about it. What I was sold was that Claudia is like a supreme professional. And and this has uh, the smell of being personal on it. Uh, oh, I'm not, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not even sure this, this hit was approved. It's possible she's doing it on her own, which... I wouldn't like because it wouldn't fit in my image of what I want Claudia to be. And, right. but especially you've got, you know, she's not just killing him. She's, she's killing him and telling him why. Yeah. You know, but this also- is obviously revenge. This is not business. This is not intelligence. This is like, you hurt some, you took someone away from me that I cared about. 
and let me tell you why. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and and the thing, considering how the center has responded to certain things that you know, with Philip and Elizabeth going out on their own, like this, for for Claudia to do this is way kind of out of character. But yeah, that's a good R- right. But you know what? It's funny. Like now that now that we've talked it all the way through, I mean, it kind of comes back to the idea that you know, all these people are not supermen or superwomen (laughs) and, you know, and that they do have personal flaws. And so maybe finding out that, I mean, maybe I would like to have it have been developed more. I certainly would have liked Claudia to become more of a character in the show because more Martindale, more money, like boom, right there. Uh, but but yeah yeah I, you know I'll I'll dial it back a little and and remember that this is a show essentially about you know uh, the human cost right. of of intelligence and and so you know maybe I don't need Claudia to be this this superwoman but but it doesn't get paid off so now I'm just like going blah 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 on it yeah but that's that's <laughs> that's that's my that's my thoughts on that scene it I don't. No, it certainly this murder doesn't tie into any of the events of this episode. It might just be a cap on events that happened previously. I don't think it's setting up any payoff for future episodes. I could be wrong right. on that. Right. I would be I would be happy to find out that I was wrong about that. Um, One of the things that I think is payoff for future episodes, though, this this isn't like a big part of this episode, but I think is kind of like a little ember in the forest. Uh, Paige uh, catches Elizabeth in the basement in the middle of the night and is a little suspicious of it. And so while um, Philip and Elizabeth are on this op and have to be gone, uh, the, the neighbors will stand uh, have to take care of um, Paige and Kevin. Kevin's the son. And um, uh, Paige is super suspicious of this moment where the mom in the middle of the night was in the basement. She's like, what are you doing? And, and she's like, oh, I was folding clothes. Or, well, I was doing laundry. I don't hear the laundry machine. She was like, I was folding clothes. Anyway, like, why don't you go to bed? Anyway, uh, one of the things that I liked about this moment is Paige kind of shows some promise or I guess inheriting the 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 spy DNA. Um, <laughs> well said. Well said. Yeah. While, while she's at the Beeman's, she's like, oh, I should go get my homework, you know, because they're going to spend the night. So she takes the opportunity when the house is empty to go get her homework and then goes down to the basement and doesn't see anything except for folded clothes. And and as if you as you've been watching the show, they have secret panels and stuff in the basement. But Paige yeah, the, like laundry, kind of- the laundry room. I love the laundry room. Yeah, there's there's so many cute little panels and stuff, but but I just love number one that we're starting to see um, the potential that Paige has, and number two we're starting to see the perfection as far as uh, agents go that Elizabeth and Philip can be, and and the fact that Elizabeth made sure to have folded clothes in the laundry rooms in case Paige ever got suspicious, you know, which I, I thought was perfect. But that's how that's how the episode ends. And it was nice, like a, oh, see you next season type of thing. Um, I thought it was a nice note to end on. All right. So in closing it out, uh, I'm going to do a double deviation. I'm going to try to keep it short. 
Um, number one is this is this like Battlestar Galactica had had been on previously. I remember some other shows like a lot of shows like all of a sudden it became just this habit of like ending a TV episode with a music montage. And the first like 10 times I saw one, I was like, this is fucking great. You know, <laughs> like they'll just, you know, they'll just play you a song and, and we'll get to see all the characters and there's no dialogue, but we just get to see them like doing physical stuff, kind of introspecting, kind of thinking about what, what this, these moments have meant to them what the future might be like like it was it was really cool like again like the first 10 times i saw it eventually i started getting tired of it <laughs> <laughs> um but here we get one and okay that's the first part of my um diversion from talking about tradecraft i want to talk specifically about this song games without frontiers by peter gabriel when i first got in i i did have a a pretty strong Peter Gabriel period. There was five or six years when I was all about this man. Um, but it started with uh, like right after he came out with like with big time on MTV, you know, it was a huge hit, had all the claymation and stuff. I was like, Ooh, let's listen to some of this shit. And it's fucking weird. And I specifically remember dude games without frontiers was one of the songs on this album that, really really challenged me as as far as trying to figure out like why do i care like it's just a song about little kids running around climbing in trees and shouting rude names at each other and like who's playing with who <clears throat> and i you know like as as someone that was coming into peter gabriel and really starting to appreciate the depth of of his work this song like it's meaning or importance like escaped me for a long time until like i think it took me like i don't know it, it was many years before i finally realized like this is a fucking song about the cold war <laughs> like <laughs> like it really is uh you know as far as like adolf builds a bonfire enrico plays with it uh you know he's 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 calling out people in like uh like gabriel's calling out uh different nations and and calling bullshit on them in a in a very like uh greek comedy kind of way uh that that i love and and so if you uh yeah i, I don't know it 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 the, the song went from being meaningless to me for like four or five years to eventually becoming one of my favorite Peter Gabriel songs. What we see during the montage is uh, Martha is married to Philip now, but she has to keep it a secret. Uh, she's very happy about being able to put on her wedding ring after coming home from work. She can only wear it at home. Uh, Sanford's still in FBI custody. He's now talking to Gad about the Colonel. Uh, Nina is still in play. And, oh, yeah, that's right. Elizabeth got shot during that. Uh, you know, she took a bullet during that escape. And what they're going to do is they need to play off a reason that Stan Beeman, like Stan Beeman, their next door FBI neighbor can't know that 
Elizabeth's been shot. So they're going to make up a story about uh, she's got a, a sick, her mother or something, and, and that they need to visit and I need to go with her. And can you take care of the kids? And Stan's like, sure, because Stan's a fucking dope guy uh, who doesn't suspect anything. Okay, so Stan is, by all appearances, actually in love with Nina. And he's also been working like fucking like crazy hours. Like his marriage is in crisis downfall at this point or during this episode, he's going to try to uh, make a peace offering to his wife with uh, eight days right on the beach in the Bahamas, expensive ass vacation as fuck, which she mentions Right. And eventually she's going to turn him down. She's going to say, I, I see what this is. This is not a, this is not a big enough bouquet of roses uh, to make up for your transgressions. Um, but what I wanted to point out was, uh, you know, when she mentions how expensive it was, he says, it's OK. Philip got us a rate. Yeah. <laughs> OK. Now, Philip's cover is travel agency, right? Yeah. <laughs> OK. Dude, if I'm Philip, I'm offering Stan Beeman deals on vacations like left and right, motherfucker. Like yeah. <laughs> anything to get him out of town and out of my biznatch. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd be showing up like, hey, dude, hey, look, dude, 12 days in Mexico. Dude, fucking uh, dude, you want to see you want to go to Vietnam? Check it out. I got a deal for you, you know, like, um, that was just something that occurred to me that I thought was kind of fun, but, uh, also made sense, you know, like, yeah, you would definitely like, uh, have this, if you have this, uh, cover story, uh, that could also include getting this FBI guy out of fucking country, do that shit. And that's all I have to say about, uh, episode, well, except for, uh, I did want to rate it on trade crafts, park benches. I wanted to give it a park bench rating. And, uh, I want to open the bidding at a four. I, I like a four a lot, actually. All right. Well, we can just case close that shit. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, no arguments. Eh. I, mean yeah. <laughs> I got a, I got a Dungeons and Dragons game to get to. So, yeah, let's call it a four. Uh, Next week, we're doing, I believe, uh, Casino Royale, um, James Bond, um, since uh, for the sake of Daniel Craig stuff. Uh, So, why? 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 Well, because tomorrow, what is it? Uh, No No Time to Die is coming out that week. So, we're going to make sure to get Casino Royale, and then we'll definitely shoot you at least a brush pass about it. If I'm not mistaken, our Casino Royale episode is going to come out the day before No Time to Die. That's what right. we want to deliver to you. Fingers so we're going to give you Casino wood. Royale and then go see No Time to Die and then do a brush pass about it at the very least. Um, so that's our plan for next week. So uh, if you want to join us for that, you can follow us on your favorite podcast app. Just search Spies Like Us Podcast. And if you uh, want to shoot us a line, spieslikeus.net, please send us an email or find us on facebook.com slash spieslikeuspodcast or Twitter, spies underscore like us. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, and don't forget to tell a friend. And preferably, the best way to tell a friend is arrange a meeting 
at a park bench. Absolutely. And it has to be at a park bench. <laughs> if you want yeah. those bonus points, right. if you're a true spy fan, yeah. you, will, you will tell your friend about this podcast at a spot at a park bench. The preceding transmission sampled the song Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net. <laughs>